Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. And Aaron, you were just mentioning that you saw some footage from the production of Craven. Is that right? Yeah, and it was rather surprising. It was uh, some stunt action. The thing I found surprising about it was he was uh, strapped to the side of the car like he was hanging on, you know, like a villain was getting away and he mm-hmm. was going to rip open the door or something heroic like that. Mm-hmm. So he was physically stuck to the side of the car and he, and he wasn't wearing any shoes. And, but he was wearing, I want to say, like nicer clothing, like a like a suit and a nice button up shirt, and maybe where he took off a tie and jacket, you know, while sprinting after said bad guy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it was a weird look. But it seemed right. It seemed primal mm-hmm. and animalistic to be barefoot, sticking to a car, trying to chase down a baddie or something. So, so where, rather interesting little clip there. Where exactly are they shooting this? I want to say that they were filming in Australia. Well, there's one way to get an answer to that. We type in Australia. Yes, look at that. Australia. There you go. Okay. So that's on the horizon for 2023. But of course, later this month, we have Moon Knight, which held its launch event just last night, Aaron. It's Moon Launch? I'm I'm kind of intrigued by this term. I mean, movies have premieres, but evidently now in this new space of a limited series, you have a launch. It launches on a certain date. You know, over time, you get to see those six episodes. So this is a launch event. And we got all sorts of little weird bits of news from uh, the red carpet, which was, in fact, they had to set up the event behind the El Capitan Theater, because directly across the street is the Dolby Theater, where the Academy Awards will be held this Sunday. And so it was just one of these things where it's like, okay, you you go to the back of the building, because we've grabbed the, the prestigious front of the building. Hey, Mac, you want to see a movie? Go in through the fire exit back here in the alley, right next to the dumpster. It's real prestigious and such. Yeah, but again, <laughs> they paved the parking lot with red carpet, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, lots of interesting news coming out of last night's launch event. And speaking of news, the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book on online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, walking the red carpet. I mean, again, Aaron, we know from your comments on previous shows that the celebrity Tron 5000, that they're all so carefully coached and programmed Mm -hmm. to say, I enjoyed working with the fill in the name here or, you know, that sort of thing. We just call them the Stepford stars. There we go. Okay. Well, it's kind of a trick in the trade that you you throw them a question not expecting. In fact, I was just listening to You Must Remember This, and this this trick runs all the way back to, I guess, Rona Barrett and Hedda Hopper, that if you wanted a celebrity to move off of their carefully coached practice points, you throw a question at them at the very top of the interview, like, how good are you in bed? And it's just sort of like, I, I thought we were here to talk about my movie. And it's like, but they're, now they're rattled and they'll give you real answers. And I guess there were a number of reporters who tried to do this last night at the event. And one of the things they did was they asked Oscar Isaac what he thought 
of the legislation coming out of Florida, the don't say gay thing that clearly Disney has bobbled its response to. And Oscar said, it's it's absolutely ridiculous law. It's insane. It's insanity. And I hope that Disney as a company comes out as forcefully as possible against this idea. It's astounding that it even exists in this country. But then again, you have to remember the whole notion of according to this legislation, kids in grades one, two, three, you know, the teachers are not supposed to mention gay. And mm-hmm. so Isaac's response to that was to then start singing gay, 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 gay. And it was one of these things where it's like, given that Josh Gad played LaFou in the 2017 live action version of Beast, and there was all of this comment during that time about how in that Bill Condon film, LaFou was really fond of Gaston. And in fact, had a significant gay moment, supposedly, during the film. And Josh actually pushed back on that recently. He said, you know, we didn't go far enough to warrant accolades. Uh, This is in an interview with The Independent. He said, we didn't go far enough to say, look how brave we are. You know, my regret is that this supposedly became Disney's first explicitly gay moment. And it was never intended to be that. It was never supposed to be a moment where we'd laud ourselves. Because frankly, I don't think we did justice to what a real character, a real gay character in a Disney film should do. Anyway, did you see how strongly Marvel came out in regard to this whole issue? The statement they issued, I want to say, just yesterday? No, I have not yet seen their statement. What did they have to say about it? They said, we strongly denounce any and all legislation that infringes on basic human rights of the LGBTQIA plus community. Marvel Studios stands for hope, inclusivity, and strength, and we proudly stand with the community. Today, we pledge to continue our strong commitment as allies who promote the values of equality, acceptance, and respect. And to circle, underline, and indent that they were serious about this, the Marvel Studios employees took part in the walkout that was held all over the place for Disney yesterday. Again, there's 200,000 employees worldwide, and so there are people walking out in New York and Orlando and, of course, Burbank. And a lot of Marvel employees strolled out of the Frank Wells building. And meanwhile, Bob Chapek and the PR team at Disney are just trying to get their arms around this whole problem. The very thing that Chapek feared, that if Disney took a political stance, someone would try to take advantage of it, uh, turned out to be true. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is actually using what's going on at Disney right now to fundraise for his PAC. In fact, he sent out an email to his would-be supporters calling the Walt Disney Company the woke Disney Company. And Disney doesn't, or for that matter, Marvel. Marvel doesn't want the Moon Knight launch event to become a political forum. They're there to make sure that everybody knows that this six-episode series debuts on Disney Plus on March 30th. And at the same time, though, you know, like I said, we got weird little uh, tidbits of news. Like, for example, Moon Knight director Mohab Dayab revealed to Games Radar that WandaVision is not coming back for a second season. He said, it's a crazy world right now. Even in, with Marvel's successful shows like WandaVision, they're not doing season two. That character jumped from a limited series to a film, so maybe she's going to come back or not. I don't know. And, and that's exciting. No, no, no. That's not exciting. Mm. That's, that's just, we don't know how we're going to use her next, mm-hmm. and that's okay. 
I mean, that's all that he really needs to say. It doesn't have to be. See, that's that that BS corporate speak that mm-hmm. is like, hooray, I don't know anything, guys. Isn't that wonderful? And it's like, no, just say that when we need her, and we'll write her into a script and we'll go, hey, call her up and see if she's available. Mm-hmm. I think we need her all of a sudden because I just wrote her into a script. Well, again, interesting you say that because X-Fire... They're the ones who broke the story two weeks ago that you and I alluded to about how supposedly Elizabeth has just signed a seven-year contract with Marvel Studios. And supposedly on the heels of what happens in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Wanda Maximoff, the, the Scarlet Witch, is supposed to become a major player in the MCU with her character appearing in multiple films and limited series over the course of Phase 4 and 5. In fact, there's reportedly language in Elizabeth Olsen's new deal with Marvel Studios that calls for the development of a standalone Scarlet Witch movie, which would be interesting to see. Just today, I finally broke open my copy of The Art of WandaVision. They really do do a deep dive on the whole notion of... Okay, episode one is supposed to be 1950s television by way of Dick Van Dyke. Episode Mm. two is supposed to be Dick Van Dyke bleeding into Bewitched. And they then just walk through costume choices and prop choices. And they made a big deal about even the recipe cards that you see floating in front of Elizabeth Mm -hmm. in the first episode are supposedly deliberately written, printed, and put on little wires to hang Keying off the ingredients she has floating in the air around her. I mean, it's it's crazy attention to detail. Right. But yeah, they're not getting around with this character. But the question is now protagonist or antagonist coming out of Multiverse of Madness. Do you want to place a bet here? Well, she's already been an antagonist in her introduction into the MCU. Mm-hmm. So it would be a, a full circle, you know, return if she mm-hmm. ended up going that way once again. I think a lot of our most wonderful villains are the ones that we love and can root for in some way and uh, sympathize with and understand. So having her become a villain once again, I think a lot of fans would really enjoy it because she would unleash mad power and Mm. do crazy cool things while she was in her rage. But the whole time we'll be rooting for her redemption, not her downfall or, you know, or, or her being slain at the hands of a friend or something like that. And again, there's that pesky multiverse where even if you die, you don't necessarily die. There's so many questions I've got that will be about what the X-Men mean Mm. to the MCU once we get past Doctor Strange. Like, how much of that beyond Patrick Stewart is going to seep through the cracks, so Mm -hmm. to speak? Um, I mean, you know, there is that scene in Deadpool, too, where he's mentioned, like, it's like you couldn't even afford the entire cast. And then they open up the door and there's like the entire cast for that one shot, their their one cameo all together. And <laughs> then they close funny, the door and they're never seen again. That right? is a funny scene. That is a genuine. It is. But I mean, you know? if they could do something like that in Doctor Strange, where you just get a glimpse of, you know, Wolverine mm-hmm. somewhere. And yep. it's like, oh, well, he now he exists in the MCU and, and there's that. Oh, Finally found out why we haven't got a teaser trailer yet for Thor Love and Thunder. And that's supposedly because this Taika Waititi film is doing some reshoots. Uh, In fact, it was just reported this week that Christian Bale, who plays the villain of that film, Gore the God Killer, 
has been working at Manhattan Beach Studios for weeks now as Marvel kind of tinkers with how the villain in this film needs to be perceived. On the other hand, if you do eventually go to a theater and see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, did you see that, I, and again, this is supposedly Disney doing something to make sure that the Multiverse of Madness will have the biggest possible box office for its opening weekend. So they're putting the trailer for Avatar 2 in front of it. The and trailer for what now? Avatar 2. The Never D- heard of it. <laughs> you know, it, somewhere there's a Disney marketing executive who's grabbing their chest, you know, because you, <laughs> cause you had that reaction. Because this was their brilliant move. This is... Because um, didn't they do that with with Phantom Menace? With the, you know, I want to say 20th Century Fox when they were teasing the return of the, the Star Wars trilogies or the revival of the franchise. I think it was Meet Joe Black. They put the trailer in front of that. And Oof, what a cross audience. Oh. Well, that was the thing. They'd have an auditorium full of people. And then by the credits, there'd be 10 people left that actually wanted to see Meet Joe Black. Well, not even that. There were people who would actually get up as soon as the trailer was over and leave the theater. I think I know or probably worked with uh, a few of the people that actually did that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not going to say if I'm one of them. Okay. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mysteriously, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, you know, again, it just, (laughs) they had to see one thing and you saw it and you left. So that was back in the day of dial up. And I remember we had a four hour morning show mm-hmm. on the radio every morning. And I remember waiting at least three out of those four hours to download the trailer for the Phantom oh, Menace. When it came out. And then it was an event like everybody had to come gather around like the fire and tell the stories of the old days. Just press the space bar lad. It will all come to you now. Mm. But there was a, more i don't want to i hate the word synergy nowadays but Mm. there was a more synergistic approach of if we put this trailer for this much beloved movie like the return of star wars after decades of being away Mm -hmm. you know we had episodes four five and six where the hell are one two and three and lo and behold one day the episode one is coming trailer Mm -hmm. and then we're going to make a special event out of it and put it in front of crap movies that couldn't make a nickel otherwise (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, we'll see what happens. And, and it worked. And so that's fine and, and good. But um, I, I also think, you know, if you're going to go see a, a Marvel movie, it's also a safe bet to throw a couple of Marvel trailers up on the screen. And I, honestly, Avatar makes perfect sense, too, because that is the the Marvel audience is the type of audience that would go see Avatar, too. And so it's a perfect place to put that trailer. I guess, you know, I mean, I, I, on paper, that makes sense to me. But at the same time, I'd also feel like Avatar was 2009, right? 2009. Yeah, their, their job is not to judge. Their job is to promote and market. And you got to do that in the best possible place. And you look at, you know, who, who do we think would come to this movie? And, and if you own both Fox and Marvel, then why not use that synergy of a brother and sister corporations mm-hmm. And say, hey, we would like to borrow your audience, please. Don't worry, it's not on a date where you've got anything going on. We've got our own date. Mm -hmm. Can we we please have your audience for the theater for a little bit? And Marvel say, of course, because you're in family, we'll we'll do that. And then they put the trailer in front of the the Marvel movies, and and it's fine. So, yeah. 
Who cares how okay. long it's been? It's okay. just for me to pick at because I can. Okay. It doesn't really. mean anything, though. I get that. Uh, to begin with, we were just talking about the reshoots that were going on with Thor Love and Thunder on the red carpet last night, again, for the Moon Knight launch event. Uh, director Mohammed Daib bragged that evidently his limited series had the least additional reshoots in MCU history. And he explained that that was because we rehearsed a lot and Marvel gave us a lot of time. So you, uh, the time we needed to properly develop Moon Knight and we did extensive table reads out ahead of shooting and, and that prep time paid off. But he got asked about, okay, so you've done your limited series. So you are you now going to graduate to doing a feature for the Marvel Studios? And he said, it's eh, not how Marvel plays it. I mean, it's not like once you deliver a successful limited series, you immediately graduate and are given a film to direct. Uh, sometimes when you're dealing with MCU, you can direct the film and then go on to direct the limited series for the same studio. And then your next assignment for Marvel is to maybe direct a movie for theatrical. It's a very fluid situation there. That said... That clearly not the case with Secret Invasion, that limited series that's shooting over in the UK right now. Marvel Studios, when they decided to, to make this errand, they didn't go with the film director. They hired Kyle Bradstreet, who wrote and executive produced. Did you ever get to see Mr. Robot over? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Very so, good. Yeah. I mean, I, very distinct look. Very distinct storytelling. There was a little scene, a little behind the scene with Rami Malek, mm -hmm. where he was like talking about the camera shots, right? Because they frame those. In, oh. Like if you go to film school, they go, this is the rule of thirds and this is how you frame a shot. And it was like, we're going to do everything that is not that. We're mm -hmm. going to go so against that. Mm -hmm. And so like they're just lining up like one pupil to sit in the lower left-hand corner of the screen. And that's all you see of the actor, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Rami Malek was saying, oh, it looks like we're going to be taking a while before you guys are ready. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. No, you're, you're ready now. You, you're, the camera's not even really pointing at me. Are you sure? Are you sure you're ready right now? Okay. And then he would act and go, I don't know what they're doing, but I hope it's good. And then he would see the, the result and go, oh man, this is, this is different, but it's effective. And uh, so, yeah, I would say it's visionary and, and bold and so good choice. Okay. Okay. And we already know about the cast so far. I mean, you know, obviously Samuel L. Jackson coming back playing Nick Fury. Likewise, Ben Mendelsohn uh, returning his skull Talos. But we've been also been seeing photographs from the set of Amelia uh, Clark, who played Daenerys Tarragon in HBO's Game of Thrones. And it's like, okay, so who's she playing? And nobody at Marvel Studios is talking yet, but the belief is among the, the folks who are, are sort of lining up the comic series that was used as the basis for Secret Invasion. She's supposedly playing Sword Commander Abigail Brand, according to the Marvel Comics Wiki. Abigail's character is a super spy born on the planet Awus to an alien father and a human mutant mother, from whom Brand reportedly inherited the X-Gene, which then gives Abigail the ability to coat her hands with flames that are actually hot enough to cut through metal. Right now, we don't know if Kyle Bradstreet is going to be adhering all that closely to the storyline of the actual Secret Invasion comic book series, but the show is being shot in the UK in Leeds. And there was a story this week in the direct shared that evidently Kevin Feige was looking at 
the last five or six things that had been done for Marvel. And it was like Spider-Man No Way Home, Hawkeye, and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Likewise, the upcoming limited series, Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk. And they're primarily set in and around the island of Manhattan. Supposedly, Kevin's getting a little sensitive to that. So he's asked that future projects, at least for a while, be set someplace else. And I don't know if that's such a good idea. Sure it is. Come on, we've got a whole world to explore out there, and we've barely even scratched the surface of it. We've seen very little of the Americas to begin with, not that we need to see any more of it, but uh, a hint of Africa. We went to uh, Great Britain for a minute Mm -hmm. in, I think, Thor 2. Yeah. But really, we haven't been... About too much. Well, unless we want to make a financial deal with China so we can, you know, get our movie over there, then of course we'll have a little shot of Shanghai or something like that. But to see, the problem is, one of my favorite moments out of the entire MCU is is in Civil War, the battle at the airport in Leipzig. Yeah, and that great moment where just this weird little beat in the middle of the battle where Captain America turns to Spidey, and it's like. You got hard, kid. Where are you from? And it's like, Queens. And Captain America's like, hey, Brooklyn. I mean, Stanley, Jack Kirby, guys who grew up in the city. I, I love that vibe. I love that sense. And I'd hate for the MCU films to lose that flavor. But again, Feige seems to be just be doing this temporarily. I mean, Shang-Chi is not, you know, I mean, he was in, what, San Francisco in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, some, some characters just need to be like Black Panther. Uh, that character, yeah. you know, needs to ha- have a lot of his time in Wakanda or Africa or, or mm-hmm. somewhere uh, like that because that's where his home is. So I get that. I do. I do. It's just, you know, I, it would just concern me if the, the film lose. Well, no, I'm, I guess I'm thinking about like the Excalibur squad, you know, mm-hmm. like you get the, they're uh, British if you want to go with X-Force, they're Canadian. Um, there's a lot of team ups that come from places, you know, their, their home bases, not the U S and, and that's fine. If we want to get those characters, mm-hmm. we got to open up the map. Okay. Okay. I get that. I do. All right. On the other hand, right now, I do, have you been hearing the stories about Morbius and how the test screenings are going? Oh no. Are they good or bad? Yeah. Let's start there. We will talk about that in a moment. You maybe sit through all of that and you wouldn't tell me yet? Come on now. That's been a well, good Well, I mean, I don't. You know, I get, you don't want to kick somebody when they're down. You know, again. Face so they're it. down. That's what you're saying. They're down. That's what I got out of that, well, right? They're down. The, Someone's kicking them. Okay. We are, we are 10 days out now from uh, Morbius. And um, the stories that have been bubbling up lately about this Daniel Espinosa film is that it's testing fairly poorly. In fact, that sort of feeds into the two trailers we've had so far for Morbius have really leaned into trying to connect it to the Spider-Man Home trilogy, likewise the two Venom movies. And because they're trying to cut it down to a length that it plays successfully at, a lot of those references, a lot of those Easter eggs have fallen by the wayside. 
And it doesn't really help things to have Matt Smith, who reportedly plays the villain in Morbius. Who no, he, he apparently did not take the uh, Marvel PR team's uh, oh. lacking in honesty class there. He oh. doesn't know how to cover up, does he? I mean, that's it exactly. He was t- in an interview with Screen Red. He's like... It's very confusing to him, but, you know, while making this movie, I was never entirely sure if I was playing Lucius, Lucius Crown from the comics, and I'm still not sure, to to be honest. And to be fair here, could they be pulling a Ned Leeds? Yeah, they they totally could be doing something like that, where it's not even reminiscent of the character that you're you're seeing there today. Yeah, because, you know, I I still love that moment in No Way Home, where it's Tobey Maguire's version of Spider-Man who's talking with Ned. Wait, wait a minute. Do you think Matt Smith saw an early cut of the movie, and this is him distancing himself from any responsibility? Like, hey, I don't even know what they're going at, man. I was uh, asked to read a script. I said, I don't know about this. They said, come on, here's a paycheck, and I did it. And uh, Uh, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, I hope not. I mean, I really like this guy. Oh, but I do too. The, the word right now is basically, if you liked Venom and its sequel, Let There Be Carnage, you will enjoy Morbius. If, on the other hand, you're going into this expecting another Spider-Man No Way Home, you're going to be disappointed. It does seem that they have been a little bit more upfront about the fact that Morbius, the film, is taking place somewhere else in the multiverse, that Mm -hmm. they're not trying to directly tie it into our current MCU. It's still out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but that brings me so much comfort that it's like you can do whatever you want then. Mm -hmm. If you're off in your own little universe and, and you're able to claim that, you know, you're isolated, like almost quarantine, right? Be as crazy mm-hmm. as you want. Go ahead, have fun. And if it doesn't work, I'm sorry. If it, if it does work, great, do it again. Mm-hmm. But that idea, like with um, that Venom cameo mm-hmm. at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home, where mm-hmm. he teleports to another universe, mm-hmm. I was like sweating for a minute. Like, oh man, there he is. Damn it, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And then he teleports to another universe. And I'm like, oh, thank God, he's gone. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's like you can do anything you want with those Venom movies now that he's back in his own little corner of whereverville. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like I said, in quarantine, in isolation, have as much fun as you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't have to worry about it, you know, breaking like a bull in a china shop all the hard work that, that Kevin Feige and company have put put into their, their MCU thus far. All true, all true. And, and speaking of... Of work, and and this is now months and months and months of work, but it's finally paying off with Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. We are getting perilously close to this thing actually opening. Just this past week, the attraction began to appear on park maps. It's in the World Discovery neighborhood of Epcot now. Also, when you you make an attraction at a Disney park, one of the very first things you do is like, okay, and they exit through the gift shop. So where's the gift shop? And right. in this case, Magic Zach Ridley just went on Instagram this week to tell us all about the Cosmic Rewind gift shop, the treasures of Xandar. And like everything at Disney these days, this store is going to have an elaborate backstory. The treasures of Xandar is going to be operated by the broker, a proud Zandarian who's been awarded the contract and has brought part of his famous store here to Epcot. And some of the merchandise pays tribute to Zandar, 
and items acquired around the galaxy, and of course other items, will celebrate the heroes of Xandar, the guardians of the galaxy. I like that we've got characters in the MCU that are like the broker, the collector, the mm. grandmaster. Uh, just not really a name, just a title. You know you've made it when you got the the in front of you. you know, sure, sure. He's not a broker, he's he's the broker. The broker, right, yeah. But again, we were talking about things that celebrate, things that pay tribute. And I'm I'm kind of embarrassed that we let this slide last week when we recorded, Aaron. But we lost William Hurt back on March 13th. And amazing actor. I mean, I, I remember seeing him in his very first film, Ken Russell's Altered States, which was on my radar for the eye-popping effects. But Hurt kept the, the story tied to emotion. You know, again, you, you were worried about this guy who had been dabbling in chemistry and was maybe slipping away. Didn't Marvel have further down their slate a Thunderbolts uh, series or film <sighs> in the planning I, stages? I want to say that was series. Um, okay. But so the, the Thunderbolts would be the team of uh, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Mm. And also, I believe uh, he ended up becoming a Red Hulk at some point. Oh, okay. I, I, I think. I'll have to double check it and, and verify. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that he had more more story to give the MCU. And so when he had, uh, when I had read news of his passing, mm-hmm. uh, obviously I was sad for him. Yeah. Uh, and, and his passing. And then I was sad for me because yeah. uh, MCU appearances that, that we will not get to, to see him in. He's been playing General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross since 2008 with the, the Incredible Hulk. But that's the other thing people need to remember. The Incredible Hulk was the second MCU film. And then after that, he reprised the role of Ross in Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, and as recently as Black Widow in 2021. And I still remember the end of Incredible Hulk with that great scene in the bar where he's sitting there telling the bartender, I guess, holding up a shot glass and like reload. And who comes strolling into the bar but Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark? And what does the line get out to the effect of the, the room reeks of stale beer and defeat? And William Hurt has that wonderful line. I think he actually sort of runs his finger up and down the lapel of Tony Stark's jacket. And it's like, you always have such nice suits. There's also a one-shot of uh, Coulson and... I- I think it was Agent Stolson. I can't remember which agent the other one was, but they were sitting in a, a little cafe mm-hmm. talking about uh, they needed to send the consultant to meet with Ross. And, mm-hmm. it, and it turns out they sent Stark mm-hmm. just to piss off Ross oh. and get the result that they wanted. And uh, yeah, you'll, you'll have to go go back and, and check that one out. It's it's in the list of one shots that's on oh. Disney+. Plus. That's but there's, great. Also, uh, while we were talking about The Incredible Hulk, yep. that is going to be coming to HBO Yes, Max, yes. And, but and not going to be coming to Disney Plus, obviously, because Universal has the rights to that film. So This puzzles me, because NBC Universal actually has its own subscription streaming service, which mm-hmm. is Peacock, whereas HBO Max is owned by NBC Universal's direct rival, 
Warner Media, which in turn is also owned by uh, AT&T. So it's like, how did the Hulk end up there? Money. No, I mean, if you were like uh, HBO and or, or, you know, the parent company mm-hmm. and Marvel is red hot and they're bringing things to Disney Plus left and right, and you're like, man, I'd like to throw a monkey wrench in those works. What do we? What could we do? And it's like, you know what? Let's throw a bunch of money at the Hulk for a minute and just bring it to HBO Plus and go, hey, look look what they don't have on Disney Plus because, well, they don't have the rights to it. So if you want to watch that as part of your chronological MCU offering, you have to come over to HBO Max for just one spin. (laughs) And then you can go back to Disney Plus, right? I have to admit, I, I am sorely tempted because I want to see that post-credit scene again. In fact, mm-hmm. it, I actually checked today. What was kind of intriguing is that if you think about how important these post-credit scenes have become to the MCU movie-going experience and how inside of six weeks, because you got to remember that the original Iron Man arrived in theaters in early May of 2008 and then just six weeks later in june the incredible hulk drops and in both of these we had that wonderful moment with samuel jackson who had broken into tony's home and you know you think you're the only superhero in the world you have just become part of a bigger universe and the whole avengers initiative thing and then that lovely exchange between ross and stark at the end of the incredible hulk it's like you know what if i told you we were putting a team together and it's like Who's we? To think about what that was like back in 2008, just hinting that something bigger was on the horizon and you had to be patient, you know, and and think about it. We we had to wait till 2012 when we got our first Avengers movie. Right. Do you you remember the theater uh, when you saw like the first Iron Man and obviously you knew that there was going to be an end credit scene because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew there was going to be one. So I stayed seated and I know whomever went to go see it with me. I made sure that they stayed seated through the credits and there was probably 3% of the audience that stayed right out of a hundred people, like three other people stayed. Mm -hmm. And then Five years later, it was up to about, you know, 20% of the audience stays for the end credit scene. And when we just went to go see Uh Spider-Man, I want to say it was about 50 to 75% are now trained to stay for the end button. And I even saw a younger, uh, like teen, young 20-year-old younger girl Mm -hmm. who said something about, don't they know about the end credit scene in Marvel movies? (laughs) And some people are just like, maybe they don't care. They just want to get home. Maybe they got to go to the bathroom, whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird to see over the years how the the audience has been trained. And now I I may go see a, another film like a Batman or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stick through the credits just in case. I doubt that there would be, but just in case. Well, I you know that uh, to me is one of the great advantages of living in the internet age because somebody somewhere will tell you there's an end credit scene. Right. I want to say when I went to go see Iron Man, I had read "Be sure and stay for the end credit scene." They hadn't revealed yeah. the whole Nick Fury thing, and, I, and to be honest, I was still you know at that point in the credits on the high of, you know, Tony Stark, you know, here's your prepared statement. And, you know, the whole notion of I'm Iron Man, boom, and the film ends, you know, I mean, uh, you know, that, that people forget, you know, how entertaining that first movie was. And Mm -hmm. 
And, and again, I, I want to say it's been years since I've seen uh, the Edward Norton, uh, you know, Incredible Hulk. And now that it's becoming available on, on HBO Max, I, I just may have to sit down and watch this again to, to remind myself. Because there was that, still that sort of whole ugly thing leading into the Avengers where it's like, hey, we're casting Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. And, you know, Edward Norton got very public about it being about money. And um, mm-hmm. it was it was an interesting time, you know, so. Well, anyway, uh, on that note, if you're if you're looking for something to do over the, the next week or so, yes, you have the Incredible Hulk where you can watch William Hurt's work. But also, remember, you know, there are wonderful movies out there like Broadcast News, Kiss of the Spider-Woman. I mean, just a huge talent that, uh, sadly, as I understand it, we lost to prostate cancer. So on behalf of Aaron, we uh, extend our, our sincerest condolences to William Hurt's family and friends at what obviously has to be a difficult time. And, and again, was was still doing Thunderbolt Ross for the Marvel, the MCU universe. In fact, I, I, I want to say they shot the scenes with him. Uh, it was one of the very last things done for Black Widow. They shot October of 2019. Mm-hmm. So that's going to do it for this week's show, folks. On behalf of Aaron, thank you for listening. Uh, tell you what, folks, if you could do us a favor, if you get over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend uh, the show you just listened to, and if you really, really, really like what you heard, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. Aaron and I both have social media presences. Aaron, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on social media? Sure. On Twitter, just head over to at Azaprod and you will learn very important life lessons, like why you should never teach your dog to shake. Jim, it's because they never read the contracts and they have very little to no understanding of the finer points of, you know, financial deal making in the modern business world. I don't know why the hell you'd get them in on the handshake level anyway. I think it's just bad advice. Stay away from it. Duly noted. Okay. Uh, Well, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Also, want to remind you we have a couple other podcasts here. Uh, We have The Mothership, uh, Disney Dish with Lentesta. In fact, he and I will be recording a brand new show tomorrow uh, where we will talk about the modern classic Disney theme park attractions. Mr. Testo wants us to talk about um, what we think are the best rides as the company has come up with since the year 2000. Likewise, uh, we also have fine-tuning with Drew Taylor. Uh, Mr. Taylor is taking a much-deserved break out in Palm Springs right now, though, uh, interestingly enough, while he was out there, he also did the media event for Moon Knight, you know, remotely. You know, in fact, he was describing his plan was that he would be in the pool until he had to come out and be on his computer to interview people. So hopefully we'll see some of those stories on the wrap and maybe he will share some info about what he's learned about Moon Knight out ahead of its uh, March 30th debut. And we have some other stuff coming up very soon that uh, hopefully Len and I and Aaron can talk about. But we can we can refer to them. With, with their code names, okay. Right now we've we've got uh, Project Phoenix mm-hmm. and Project Cardboard Box, Ooh. and uh, both are exciting. And that's all I can say about them. Otherwise, the Marvel PR team will come and hit, uh, hunt me down. 
So well, there you go. There, there, we don't want that to happen. Nope. Okay. All right. And that's going to do it for this week, folks. So thanks for listening. And Aaron and I will be back soon.